Thank you for choosing the podcast of East Haven Baptist Church in Brookhaven, Mississippi. For more information on the ministries of East Haven and to access videos and sermon notes from our services, visit www.easthaven.net. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to Psalm 16. It's a verse that we've looked at a couple of times over the last few weeks as we've been working through our series called The War for Joy. And we've been looking at the idea of biblical joy versus the idea of earthly joy. And we've, we've defined, or at least given a working definition for biblical joy as abiding delight by abiding in Christ. By living in the light of the revelation of Christ, by living according to his power, by relying upon him, by staying put in his will, we have an abiding delight. Uh, a, a thoughtful excitement that continues, that remains, that is firm. And so we've been looking at this series, and we've called it the war for joy because so often that's what it is. It is a war. We are battling the world, the flesh, and Satan, all of which want to kill, steal, and destroy not only our lives and our witness, but also our joy would love to steal our joy, they would love to kill the joy, they would love to destroy the joy that we have, that abiding delight by abiding in Christ. And we've been working through the last few weeks, we've been looking at different passages, if you've missed any of them, I invite you to go back, check them out online, check them out on on our, uh, our podcast page on iTunes, or go back on our website and give them a listen, give them a watch, and you can get sort of get caught up to where we're, we're going or where we've been. But with that in mind, I want us to look forward. I want us to look forward today when it comes to that biblical joy. But before we look forward, uh, I'd like for us to look, look back for just a moment. And this is what I'd like for you to do. I'm not asking you to write it down. Uh, I'm not asking you to say anything out loud. But just in your heart and in your mind, here's what I would like you to do. I would like you to think back to some time in your life where you had to endure the discomfort, the pain, disappointment, hurt, whatever it is, that that most difficult time, that most difficult season, or that most difficult event in your life thus far. I just want you to think about that for a moment, just sort of identify what that is. I'm not trying to drag up anything or make people walk through a dark valley again, but I'm just saying, just think about that, that thing. You got it? should come pretty easily. Now, here's what I'd like you to do. I'd also like you to think about what is that moment or that season or that event where you, you had the most peace, the most joy, the most comfort in that time. So what's, first of all, is the pain that you had to feel like it never was going to end. And what's that joyous occasion that you never wanted to see it end? You have those two in mind? It's been said that we spend much of our life trying to avoid the first. We want to avoid a situation that's going to place us in that sort of environment again. And if anything comes up that reminds us of that, we have a great revulsion toward those things because they remind us of that hard, that difficult time that we had to endure. And then on the flip side, some have said that we try as much as we can to get back to that place of joy and that peace that we had during those fleeting moments. So today, what I'd like for us to think about, holding those two things sort of in our mind, is this. The day is going to come, if you are a child of God, that you will never endure anything like that ever again. 
that pain, that hurt, that rejection, that depression, whatever it is, you're never going to have to deal with anything like that again. But second, there's a second truth regarding this. If you're a follower of Christ, the day is going to come that you are going to see that the greatest moment that you have had here that was so temporal and so fleeting is just a glimpse of the fullness of joy that awaits us in heaven that will never end, that will never be taken away from us. So that is the things, or are the things, that we have to look forward to, and many other things as well. But in the, in the context of joy, we know that we look forward to that, biblically speaking. Now with that in mind, I want us to go to Psalm 17, or Psalm 16, I'm sorry, verse 11. The psalmist writes, You make known to me the path of joy. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Now granted, in this context, he's talking about the presence of God, being in the presence of God, and that there is fullness of joy in the presence of God. He's experiencing some degree of joy right now, right here in the right now. And then he says, at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So it's not just a right here, right now experience of joy, but the day is going to come that when we are with God fully, completely, totally made right, all things are settled up, and we will be in the presence of the Lord God for all eternity, we will experience lasting joy, joy that will never leave. So many times we, we think about uh, eternity and we'll say something like, well, you know, that first hundred years or that, that first thousand years or, you know, uh, 10,000 years and stuff like that. I want us this morning to think about your first 10 billion years, your first 10 billion years. Because you're going to have a first 10 billion years in glory, and then you're going to have another 10 billion, and you're going to have another 10 billion on and on and on for all eternity. Everybody is going to live forever somewhere. You will either live for 10 billion years plus 10 billion years plus 10 billion years on and on and on in the presence of the Lord God of the universe enjoying his presence or you'll live another 10 billion 10 billion 10 billion 10 billion if you don't know christ separated from god in a very real hell for all eternity that's the reality so i want us to talk about our first 10 billion years because think about this other followers of christ you're going to be hanging out with them for your first 10 billion years all the joy that you've experienced in the here and now that you've gotten glimpses of in worship in glimpses of, in prayer, glimpses of, whenever you've had those moments that are just so, you say, oh, I just wish I could capture this moment and put it in a bottle and keep it forever. Can I just tell you, that is going to be made full. It's going to be even greater than that. And there's going to be 10 billion years worth of it. And then another 10 billion and another 10 billion. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. For all the 10 billions and 10 billions, all stacked atop of one another. So the first thing I would like for, like for us to look at, just two points this morning. The first one is this. An eternal outlook leads to the outworking of joy. If you've got an eternal outlook, it will lead to the outworking of joy. I'm talking about if you have an eternal outlook of what is ahead, it will lead to an outworking of joy right here, right now. In other words, the, the perspective that you have points to your practice. Whatever your perspective is, that is the way you're going to live. That's the way you're going to practice your life. 
And so the perspective points to the practice. And if you have an eternal outlook, that is going to lead to the outworking of joy. Listen to 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 13. Peter writes, but rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. Peter says rejoice right here in the right here and right now when you're suffering for Christ. Because the day is going to come that whenever he is revealed in all of his fullness, you are going to have that fullness of joy. Get your practice in now. And if you understand that this is not it, that this is not the the final chapter, that this is not the final say-so, when you understand that what we experience right here, right now, is not the end of all things, then you have that eternal perspective, and then that has some outworking of joy. I mean, all you have to do is just look around, right? Go to the grocery store. Look at the prices. Fill up your car with gas, for goodness sake, right? I mean, it's just so many things. One thing atop another, atop another, atop another, atop another. And God says, even in the midst of all that, you can have joy. Because this is not it. If you have an eternal outlook It will result in an outworking of joy right here in the right now. Might things get hard? The Bible never says things won't be hard. And on the contrary, the Bible says things will be hard. And things in some ways will be harder because you're a follower of Christ. God, that will make certain things very hard. And and there are other influences. I I saw someone uh, the other day had posted, it's a little meme that's been going around. They said that... um, it takes, it takes a, a, how was it? It was, uh, I don't even remember. Never mind. Forget it. It wasn't in the notes. I don't remember how it went. But anyway, I'll get back with you on that. It'll probably hit me two o'clock in the morning. But anyway, whatever. Um, the point being, the point being, whenever we're living our life, we're living our life, we have to live it with wisdom. We have to live our life in such a way, though, that reflects this eternal outlook that this is not the end of all things that there are things beyond this and we have to understand that luke chapter 6 verse 23 this is what jesus says rejoice in that day and leap for joy for behold your reward is great in heaven for so their fathers did to the prophets again he's talking about people being persecuted he's talking about the disciples being persecuted he says rejoice whenever you are persecuted for the name of Christ. Rejoice when you're persecuted for my namesake. Because that's the same thing they did to the prophets before you. But again, great is your reward is heaven. Great is your reward in heaven. He's looking to an eternal perspective. He's saying, endure what you have to endure right now, but don't just endure life. Enjoy it because this is not the end of it. This is not the, the, the end all beat all. Luke chapter 10, verse 20, this is right on the heels of Jesus has sent out 72 of his followers. They're going out two by two. They're going out and they're, they're sharing the news of the kingdom. They return and they tell Jesus, wow, even demons are subject to your name. And Jesus tells them in Luke 10, 22, nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. They come back and they said, it was amazing. We could speak your name. We could speak truth. And these demons had to be obedient and had to be subject to our commands. Jesus said, that's great, but don't rejoice in that. Let me tell you what you rejoice in. You rejoice 
in the eternal outlook. You rejoice because you have a home in heaven. An eternal outlook leads to the outworking of joy. We are all eternal beings in the midst of a temporal situation. Every single one of us. That's, that's where we are according to, the God, according to God's word. The problem is we don't tend to live like eternal beings. We live like temporal beings. We live like everything is temporary. No, we're eternal beings. We're eternal beings who are satisfied with far too little. We are fashioned to only be satisfied by God himself for all eternity. And we try to fill that void with all sorts of other temporal things in order to make up for what we regard as a deficit in our own lives. We do. We try this, we try that, and you, you name it. Look at what society offers. Look at what culture says. This will bring you lasting joy. This will bring you lasting happiness. And none of it does. Because only God can bring that. And I know and understand, the Bible says we are to redeem the time because the days are evil. But I just tell you, so many times our redeeming looks an awful lot like scheming. We try to figure out how we can tweak and twist and manipulate things so we can make things go our way instead of truly redeeming the time because we realize that we are there at eternity. And by the way, whenever you come to salvation, that is when your eternal life begins. Your eternal life does not begin the moment you die. Your address changes the moment you die, but your eternal life, you're already living. You're already living the first part of your eternal life. We're going to live forever somewhere, and it has already begun if you are a follower of Christ. You, you're facing eternal life because you've already stepped from death into life. And so we find that if you, we have this eternal outlook, things change. And everything here and now, everything we experience here and now, that great, that joy that you had, that enjoyment, that peace, that comfort that you had, that you may be trying to get back to, can I just tell you, everything we experience here of joy is always going to have an ache of incompleteness because we're crafted for a life with God for all eternity. And we're never going to be fully satisfied here. Sometimes people talk about, uh, we use the word eschatology. Eschatology meaning the end times, what's going to happen in the end. And many years ago, I read a statement from someone. They said, uh, we often live with an over-realized eschatology. An over-realized eschatology. Meaning, we believe all the end things, all the God setting everything right in the universe. For some reason, we believe that we can have all of that right here, right now. And that's not the way it goes. It's not. That's why there's always this ache. That's why there's always, you know, but with every, all these roses with thorns, so to speak. There, there's always that ache of, oh, but there's, I, just, I just feel like there needs to be more. Absolutely. That's why we're designed that way. We are designed to have an eternal outlook. We are designed. We are created for eternity. God has put eternity in our hearts, according to God's word. And so we have to have an eternal outlook recognizing that the outworking of our joy right here right now is going to be dependent largely upon our outlook our perspective our eternal perspective that this is not the end of all things aren't you glad this is not the end of it right here right now so life here is hard yes it's it's fraught with danger it's fraught with disappointment 
And it wars against this eternal nature that we have as followers of Christ. Think about Jesus. You, you don't find in the Bible that Jesus, I mean, you're gonna, he, he's, he's yearning to be with his Father and be in heaven, but at the same time, you don't find Jesus walking around saying like, I just can't wait to get out of here. Boy, you people are just bugging me to death. You don't see him saying stuff like that. Boy, I'm just really not enjoying this at all. I'm not enjoying my life. I'm not enjoying anything about this. This is just awful. I mean, this is terrible. You, you don't see him saying things like that. Were things rough? Absolutely. But you, yet you find Jesus, he is, he is living his life to the absolute fullest in the will of his Father. No matter if it's painful, no matter if it's, if it's hurtful, he is still recognizing he himself has an eternal outlook. Now we say, well, that's easy for Jesus. He's God. Of course he has an eternal outlook. But no, he leaves us an example of how we are to follow God. He leaves us an example of how we do live our lives. We are to live our lives with the same type of eternal outlook that Jesus had. And if Jesus, with a full and complete understanding of the joy that is coming, if he could live a life of joy here, now, so can we. So can we. Through his power. So, uh, Satan would love for us, though, our, that heavenly hope to, to fade. He would love for us to believe that our temporal happiness right here, right now, is the only thing that matters, and that's what you find throughout culture. That's the, that is the, the drumbeat of culture. All you have to do is just follow your happiness, do what makes you happy, do what you enjoy. The book of Hebrews refers to that as the passing pleasures of sin. They're ple- it's pleasurable for a time. Don't let anybody tell you, you know, that, that sin is not pleasurable. I remember growing up, I had an older person in our church, and they said, I just want you to know sin is no fun. I thought, yeah, it is. If it wasn't fun, people wouldn't be doing it. For goodness sake. And the Bible says it's the passing pleasures of sin. It's fun for a season. It's fun for a season, and then you, you end up getting the check. Then you end up seeing what happens. It, it's been said, you've, you've, probably, you've probably heard it before, you know, that Sin will take you further than you want to go and keep you longer than you want to stay and cost more than you're willing to pay. It's true. Sin, it, it, sin is fun for a season. Don't let anybody tell you sin is not fun. It's fun for a season. But it will come back on you. I mean, you know, it's like, it's like a buffet. It's fun for a season. Oh, I'm just going to pick this. I'm going to pick that. I'm going to pay. You, you're going to pay. I don't mean the check. I mean, you're going to pay later on. All right. Do without what you will whenever you leave here for lunch later. Uh, But anyway. So we can enjoy these things, though, that God has given us without being mastered by them. They don't rule over us, but we can enjoy life. John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus, he himself said that he came so that we can have life and have it abundantly. That's That's what Jesus said. So... Uh, we can live our lives for his glory if we have an eternal outlook. That eternal outlook will lead to the outworking of joy. Is your outlook eternally based? Or are you more spiritually nearsighted? Where you just can't see beyond tomorrow. And God is saying, I'm preparing you for your first 10 billion years. This is practice for your first 10 billion years. And we're saying, yeah, but all I can see is tomorrow. 
Tomorrow is going to make a whole lot more sense. Today will make a lot more sense when you see it from an eternal perspective. Now, I know, uh, I, I remember growing up, I heard of one of our pastors. He made a comment one time. He says, don't be so heavenly minded. You're no earthly good. You may have heard that phrase before. And, and, and I've seen people, you know, you've seen people who, who do that, right? Uh, it's like they, they're so detached from the issues of the world that, that you just don't, they can't even, they don't even seem like they want to relate to, to people who are hurting or people who are in pain or people who are struggling, you know? And so we, we want to understand we live in the here and now with an outworking of joy, reaching and teaching people for Christ, but at the same time we recognize this is not the end of it because we have our sights set on eternity. And since our sights are set with an eternal perspective, an eternal outlook on our first 10 billion years, we want as many people to experience that first 10 billion years with Christ as we possibly can. So an eternal outlook will lead to an outworking of joy but here's the second truth and we've hinted at it along the way complete joy will come with complete restoration when that is all set right and in the psalmist's words at your right hand are pleasures forevermore we will understand the forevermore we will understand it in all of its fullness because with that complete restoration comes that complete uh, joy you find in hebrews chapter 12 verse 1 and we've talked about this uh, a couple of times before the writer of hebrews pins these words therefore since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses that is all the 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 laundry list the the roll call of faith the hall of fame of faith of chapter 11 when the writer of hebrews talks about all of these people throughout the bible all of these people who had lived by faith and their testimony, their witness, the witness of their lives of faith, bear witness to the fact that we can live lives of faith. That's the, the idea. Since we're also surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And look at verse 2, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. For the joy that was set before him. Jesus understood that eternal perspective, of course he did, But Jesus also understood that by bringing that restoration, we would share in his joy. And we talked about that last week. So for the joy that was set before him, Jesus is looking past the circumstances. He's looking to the joy. Does that that make the cross any less painful? No. Does that make the cross any less serious? No. But Jesus understood the cross and the tomb, those were not the end game for the joy that was set before him for that for that outworking where everything is going to be set right when people will be brought to salvation these are the things that jesus was looking at and he understands that that complete joy will come with that complete restoration and that complete restoration is only found in christ but even now we just get glimpses even in salvation It's not the full story of what we're going to be just yet, but we get glimpses of it. And you find in John 16, verse 22, Jesus talking to his disciples, so also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy from you. Jesus is talking about, he's he's going to the cross, he's going to die. 
But then he says, the day's going to come. Nobody's going to take your joy from you. And that's in the here and now. But think about how much more our joy will be complete when we're in the then and there. When we're with God for all eternity in those first 10 billion years. The problem is we get hung up. And again, over-realized eschatology, we think that the completeness is going to come now. And we're disappointed when it doesn't. We shouldn't be disappointed. We should not expect the completeness to come now. It should point us heavenward. Every earthly disappointment we find whenever things do not go as we think they should, should point us toward the day is going to come that everything is going to be restored and everything is going to go according to God's perfect plan. And we can look forward to that, that we live with eternal joy. C.S. Lewis wrote about this. He wrote about when we can get sidetracked by looking for joy in the here and now alone. Listen to what he wrote. He said, when we are lost in the woods and a sight of a signpost, when we are lost in the woods, the sight of a signpost is a great matter. He who first sees it cries, look, and the whole party gathers round and stares. But when we have found the road and are passing signposts every few miles, we shall not stop and stare. The signposts are appreciated, but they are not the destination." Joy has ceased to be the primary goal. They will encourage us, those signposts, and we shall be grateful to the authority that set them up, but we shall not stop and stare, or not much, not on this road, though their pillars are of silver and their lettering of gold. We would be at Jerusalem. We don't stop along the way. When God drops us those signposts and you have those moments of great joy and great peace and great comfort, and we say, oh, if I could only get back to that, God is saying, no, you're not getting back to that. That is just a little taste of the joy and the peace and the comfort that is to come that will one day be utterly and completely made right. That's what we have to look forward to. You do realize that life is very temporal here. And and, and I've talked to some of you, just this past week we were talking uh, in our the men's small group meets on Tuesday morning. We were talking about some things that we have learned. And, uh, there were three things we, we just kind of touched on. One is that we all, we all know far, far less than we really think we do. There is far, we, we don't know nearly as much as we think we know. We know far less than we think we do. Secondly, we have far less control than we like to believe far less control and the third one is this we really and truly have far less time than we think we do i know i've told you before but there are times um whenever i go to the, i go to the grocery store and if i'm if i'm buying some milk or something that has an expiration date I always check the expiration date and um you you know y'all y'all have done it you know you you may be that person or you've seen that person when they open the the cooler and uh, they start going through expiration dates, and they start, I mean, they're half in the cooler. That's me. I mean, I will crawl up in there to find the latest expiration, you know, the farthest out expiration date that I can. Why? Because I want to enjoy whatever it is as long as I possibly can. But every single one of us has an expiration date. We just don't know when it is. We've all got an expiration date. And I know you're like, that is not the kind of thing I want to think about over my bowl of Cheerios looking at my milk, right? You know, 
balanced breakfast and mortality all rolled into one right there. That's not what I want to think about. But, that's, but that is, all of us have an expiration date. Every single one of us. Time is short. Eternity's long. So we have to be prepared. We have to be prepared for those first 10 billion years. 10 billion with a B years. Listen to what Jude writes. This is in Jude chapter 1, verse 24. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. Whose joy? Well, the way it's written, it could be either either person's joy. God, God is going to, God through, is going to be there and Jesus is going to present you blameless before God the Father and you're going to have great joy. But not only that, he himself is going to present you blameless before God the Father and he himself will have joy in doing that. Everybody's going to have joy whenever he presents us before his heavenly Father. That's that completeness of joy that comes from that complete restoration Revelation chapter 7, verse 15. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. Were you outside yesterday? For the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd. And he will guide them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Can I just tell you, all of this is, this passage is written in such a way that if you're not careful, you'll read it, and you'll read it like this. God's going to take away all that hurt, and he's just going to bring me back to a place of neutrality. Because the positive part is not emphasized here. It's all the stuff's going to be done away with. But can I tell you, when all of that is done away with, there is completeness of joy. It is a joyous thing. It's not some, you know, God's not going to take away all that so we can be somber in his presence. Well, I'm just going to make any noise for all eternity. I'm just going to kind of be here and just kind of be at a, at a, at a place of calm neutrality. No, there's joy in the presence of God. That's what we have to look forward to. And those first 10 billion years, when you read through other passages that you find in Revelation, there won't be any death. Think about it, no death of any kind. That means there's no physical death. That means there's no spiritual death. But I've been thinking lately, there's another kind of death that's not going to be there. We will never have to die to ourselves ever again. Think about that. There will be no need. We will be perfect. We're never going to die physically. We're never going to experience spiritual death, separation from God. But we never have to do again what the New Testament says we do now, which is we die to our sin, we die to self. We never have to do that. I think I've shared this before, but a number of years ago, Whenever I was serving at our, the last church where I served up in Knoxville, we would sit down with some of the, uh, the kids before we would baptize them. And sometimes we would we'd do a little video, and sometimes we would ask them questions like, 
You know, what, what's the thing you're looking forward to the most about heaven? And a lot of kids would say, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing my grandparents. I'm looking forward to seeing Jesus. And, and those are all great and wonderful and correct answers. I mean, there's no real right or wrong there. And I remember I asked this one little girl, what are you looking forward to the most about heaven? And she looked at me and she smiled. She was probably only about six years old. And she looked at me and she smiled and she said, I will never want to sin again. And I just looked at her. I was so stunned coming from the mouth of a six-year-old. I will never want to sin again. And then she looked at me and smiled and said, right? I said, you're, you're absolutely right. We will not even have the desire to sin again. But we will be filled with complete joy in the presence of God. If you're a follower of Christ, that's the promise that you have awaiting you. Your first 10 billion years is going to be filled with great joy, lasting joy, growing joy. I believe heaven is a place of exponential joy. Not that you get there and suddenly you're like, well, this is as joyful as I'm ever going to be. I think there are, there are reaches of joy that we haven't even begun to imagine. And, and 10 billion years after 10 billion years after 10 billion years, we're like, I can't imagine I would have any more joy than I have. Oh, wait, <laughs> wait till my next 10 billion years. That's the promise you have before you if you're a follower of Christ. If you've never made a decision to follow you of Christ, I'm just going to be very completely and totally transparent and honest with you. You don't have that promise. You have a promise that you'll be separated from God for all eternity. I'm not trying to be harsh. This is what the Bible says. You'll be separated from God for all eternity. There is no joy. There is no joy in hell. There's no place in hell that anybody would ever, will ever be and will be able to look over and say, well, at least I'm not having to deal with the punishment that guy's dealing with. That's not going to happen. There's no cool spot in hell. You'll be faced with an eternity away from God, away from joy, away from his presence. But through Christ, he offered a way that we can know God the Father out of his great mercy. Because all of us were headed there. Nobody was naturally headed to heaven. Nobody was headed to heaven because of their merits. Nobody was headed to heaven because of, because of God said, oh, you're such a good person, or oh, you're this, or oh, you accomplished that. No, everybody, everybody who goes to heaven only goes there because of the mercy and the grace of God offered through the person of Jesus who lived a sinless life, died a death in our place on the cross, and was buried and rose again three days. And he's coming back one day to take his own with him to be with God. This is the truth of the word of God. So if you've never made that decision, let today be the day that you say yes to Jesus. Yet let today be the day that you say no more pursuing joy in all the wrong places and in all the wrong ways. I'm going to turn fully and completely to God. And the joy is a byproduct. The relationship is the prime product. The glory of God is the prime product. The joy comes along because of that relationship. Abiding delight by abiding in Christ. If you've never made that decision, let today be that day. If you've been wrestling through one of those seasons that we talked about earlier, ask God to give you an eternal perspective, an eternal outlook in the midst of your temporal suffering. Doesn't mean the temporal suffering won't come, but it means you can put it in the right context. That this is not the end of it. Because you, as a follower of Christ, are practicing for your first ten billion years let's pray lord god thank you for your word thank you for the promise 
of an eternity with you in Christ. God, I know so often we get so we get so short-sighted. We're so spiritually nearsighted. We're so we we look only to today and tomorrow and we can't see past that clearly and we fret and we worry and we we scheme and we manipulate Father, you tell us to trust you, to walk in your presence. Father, you tell us that there is this eternal perspective that we are to hold. And if we have that perspective, then we can see the outworking of joy in the here and now. And that is a glimpse of the complete joy that is going to come when you restore all things completely to your will. And so, Father, we just pray now that you would do in our hearts and our minds exactly what you want to do so that we may live out that joy that you have. So, Father, I pray that you might grant us a a better understanding of how, how brief our lives are and a better understanding of what eternity is and what awaits us on the other side. Father, and I pray for anybody here watching now or later. They've never made a decision to follow you. May today be the day that they say yes to Jesus. And Father, I just pray now that you would go before us in this time of decision. Whatever decision needs to be made, whatever it is that would bring you the most honor, glory, and praise, Father, we pray that you might grant your boldness and your wisdom to know what that is and that we would respond accordingly. We give ourselves to you, Lord God, and we're thankful for the joy that is found in Christ and that this is not it and that we face 10 billion years upon 10 billion years upon 10 billion years with you in your presence with a fullness of joy. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.